Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Welcome back to another episode of Culture Eats Strategy with myself, yours truly, Jamie J. Yes, it's true. We have Barney, Harvey, and Michael Houlihan here today, founders of the world's largest wine brand. They're international keynote speakers and the New York Times bestselling authors of The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Built America's Number One Wine Brand, and The Entrepreneurial Culture, 23 Ways to Engage and Empower Your People. I'm going to talk a little bit more about their story here in just a second, but I do want to remind you, if you're starting out in your business or you're going along in your business and finding yourself a little bit overwhelmed, uh, not able to complete all of your tasks in a day, and your dream of owning your own company uh, is kind of turning into more of a job, well, you might want to consider bottleneck.online, a virtual assistant company to help outsource those mundane tasks that you do on a day-to-day basis. If you want to learn more, go to bottleneck.online. There's my little shameful plug before we jump into this. As I was saying, we are going to be joined by Bonnie, Harvey, and Michael Houlihan. And they started out from pretty humble beginnings in the laundry room of a rented farmhouse to the boardroom of the world's largest wine company, E&J Gallo. They learned valuable lessons crucial to any business. They consult and train startups and Fortune 500s on brand building and company culture. I love this. <laughs> they are highly recommended by companies seeking to increase their sales and engage, empower, and inspire their people. And they are regular contributors to the business journals in 43 cities nationwide. That's amazing. I just want to be a contributor to one. <laughs> they have also been an entrepreneur and uh, they are entrepreneurs and they contribute articles and interviews to Inc., CEO Forbes, and other major business publications. Their new audiobook is presented in a theme theatrical format with Hollywood actors playing the parts, original music, sound score, sound effects, and more. And they are regular media guests on radio, television, and of course, podcasts. Michael and Bonnie present together with a fresh, authentic, and fun style that entertains, educates, and motivates. And I just cannot thank you enough for joining today. Uh, Michael, Bonnie, welcome so much to Culture Eats Strategy. I'm looking forward to having a, a wonderful conversation with you. Excellent. Thank you, Jamie. We're delighted to be here. Yes, lots of fun. Yeah, this is great. So, Michael, while in, during our pre-interview, you were talking a little bit about the background. And if you're listening to this while you're driving or you're listening to it via audio, you may not be able to see the background that Michael and Bonnie are sitting in front of. But, Michael, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about the surroundings. Well, Bonnie and I have a little mini estate. It's up in the Russian River Valley between, say, Santa Rosa and the ocean, about 60 miles north of San Francisco. So it's in the wine country. It's very rural here. It's, it's very bucolic. 
and we bring people here uh, into our environment. The environment is decorated in uh, 1920s furniture and appointments. So in the 1920s, before the Depression, was the last time that this country was mass manufacturing, mass producing uh, furniture that was made out of oak, that was that was hand carved wood, that was upholstered with uh, American lambs wool mohair. Uh, the lamps were made of stained glass. So it's it's what you see in the old movies. Well, why do we do that? Well, we want people to feel comfortable. We want them to feel important. When people come to our estate for a conference uh, on company culture, say, uh, we want to sit them down in a beautiful living room in front of a fireplace and relax and feel like they're being pampered, like they're in a fine hotel in the country. And, uh, you know, uh, pictures speak louder than words and environments scream louder than pictures. <laughs> That is the truth. I love it because you're making people feel part of you, part of, and, and it's very inviting, I would think, very welcoming. It is. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. And you're invited, Jamie. Yes. <laughs> and thank you so much for, for creating wine. <laughs> Absolutely love that too. Um, yeah, so... Um, I wonder if maybe you can tell us a little bit of the background of, of your story so that others may be able to understand that, keeping in mind that culture definitely eats strategy, in my opinion. Strategy, how it, it's very important that companies have a strategy and moving forward and understand what that is. But culture, in my opinion, definitely trumps that strategy because if you don't have share in a similar belief system, in a similar set of core values, believe in a vision, what you aspire to achieve as a group, it's very difficult, in my opinion, to implement any form of strategy because there'll be communication breakdowns. There's going to be different people wanting different things. That message has to be crystal clear. And the reason I kind of, before I <laughs> offer you to, to respond to my question, the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because I think it's really important with all the lessons that you've learned, all the hardships, all the late nights, all the challenges, um, these stories are going to be very impactful to people that are listening right now because they're probably going through some of these same things. And I can't wait to hear how you overcame those obstacles through a cultural aspect. So if you could share. Well, it's kind of a long story, which is why we wrote the book, The Barefoot Spirit. But basically, Michael and I started off loving Sonoma County because of all the beautiful parks and the ocean and the Russian River here. We were business consultants. I had a client who wasn't paid for his grapes, and he was owed a considerable amount of money. Um, he was unable to collect because the winery that owed him the money had just gone bankrupt, so he couldn't get any cash. Um, Michael, I sent Michael, my new boyfriend at the time, off to collect the 300000 in any way he could, and he managed to do an exchange for bulk wine and bottling services at the winery. So... We had these $300,000 worth of assets in bulk wine and bottling services. And my clients said, well, I cannot take over a new business. I'm a full-time winemaker and I have a vineyard that I'm managing. So we said, well, 
that's a problem. <laughs> Maybe you and I can do it instead. So that's how we kind of fell into the wine industry backwards. We took advantage of an opportunity. Instead of following our passion, we followed an opportunity. And Did you have any experience in wine at this point? No. Oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? So oh, we had fantastic. no industry, we had no money. But we we had belief that we could make it happen. So I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs, small business people out there that may be in the same situation. And listen up, that turned out to be a big advantage for us. And there's many stories in our book that tell how that was an advantage. So as we were growing, we had to hire people. And as we were hiring people, we learned pretty quickly that we really weren't the best at communicating our needs properly. And we weren't communicating those same needs with the people we were doing business with in the beginning either. So we had a lot to learn. Can, can I ask a question right there? Um, really, really quick. You said you, you learned early on that the communication wasn't really there. If, 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 if I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Can you maybe identify one of those things that led you to believe that our communication was not where it should be? Yes, as far as working with our buyers went, we had a gold medal winning wine. It was the lowest price on the market. It had a very cute label that was easy to recognize and jumped from the shelf. What's not to like, right? right. So Michael would go into the buyer's office and he'd say, hey, I've got everything you need right here. Buy it. And they'd say, get out of my office. And he'd come back and complain about them. And then we started listening to some tapes, Brian Tracy being one of them, Napoleon Hill and a few others that talked about putting yourself in the other guy's shoes, mm. being compassionate and having a heart, being kind, right, Jamie? I love it. <laughs> kindness. And what do you know? That worked. <laughs> so we learned how to understand what the other person's needs were, whether it was a buyer, an employee or a vendor. Those are the three main relationships that any business has. And to try to satisfy their needs before we pushed what it was that we were selling onto them and made it part of satisfying their needs rather than satisfying our needs to sell the product. That's fantastic. You know, that takes a lot of courage. And I, I definitely don't need to tell you this, but it takes a lot of courage to be kind. And to listen. As a matter of fact, my word for this year is listen. Listen intentfully and soulfully to engage notably. Right? It's really powerful listening because you learn so much, but it also empowers your staff, your vendors, your, your clients, all of that. So I, I, I wonder if maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Go ahead. Well, the first thing you have to do <clears throat> is you have to understand what your vendors, your staff, and your clients really want. It's not what you think they want. And what happens with so many startups is they fall in love with their product or service, and then they can't understand why people aren't knocking down windows and kicking down doors to get to them to buy it. And it's because it you haven't presented it in a way that necessarily satisfies their needs because you haven't taken the time to really find out what their needs are. So, you know, like you take the case of an employee, 
employee, yes, they need they need to have a salary. They got to pay their mortgage. They got to make their car payment. But that's not the whole thing. They need to be respected. They they need to have a a, a boss that empowers them by asking them their opinion mm-hmm. uh, about problems that might not even be in their category. Um, the, the other thing they need besides uh, besides acknowledgement and respect is uh, they they need somebody who appreciates the fact that they have a family and they need time off and can be flexible with them so that they can live a life besides work. And of course, the other thing they're looking for is security, right? You know, do I have a job? Can I depend on this job? Uh, what about retirement? Do I have retirement? How about health insurance? So the things that people are concerned about when they go to work for you may not be the thing that you think it is. So you have to lead with having their best interests at heart. Now, as far as your vendors are concerned, they're concerned that you're going to take goods or services from them and not pay the bill. So you have to establish with them that you not only will pay the bill, but you have their interest at heart. If you can't pay the bill, you call them two or three weeks in advance and you say, I just took a look at my cash flow report. I'm going to be unable to make this payment. I want to give you a heads up because I know you're using my money to pay your bills. I don't want you to be blindsided. I don't want you to think that I'm a duck and run kind of guy that you got to hunt down. And then as far as your customers are concerned, they want to know that you're going to stand behind their product. They also want to know that you're going to satisfy their individual needs. In our case, we had to deal with distributors. They didn't care about quality and price. They wanted strategic advantage over their competitors. So if we were able to get in with, say, a supermarket and bring that supermarket to them as new business on the condition that they carried our brand, they would carry our brand. But we wouldn't have to say anything about how much it cost or, you know, the quality, the metals, the taste. We wouldn't have to say any of that because they knew that we were satisfying their needs. And then as far as the sales manager was concerned, all he wanted to know was, are you going to help me make my numbers? I have to make my numbers. Sales numbers. Yeah, sales numbers. So we would have a representative and we'd say, listen, if if your guys don't make the numbers, our guys will sell it for your guys and you'll make the numbers. So now he was behind it. And all the way down until you finally get to the clerk, the guy that's in the store who puts the bottle up on the shelf before Mrs. McGillicuddy comes in and buys it. Why does he do that? It's because you bought him a baseball cap. You took him to lunch. You tasted him on the product. You treated him like he was important. You told him how important it was for you to get reordered in that store and that he was where the rubber met the road. So that's what we're talking about. It's, it's not just kindness. It's kindness at every level. And it's compassion by really understanding in an empathetic way what the other person wants and giving it to them. And that's the way you move your product along. And that's how we overcame all of our roadblocks. This is fantastic because we made a transition early on about some challenges that you had. And then, okay, you've identified some certain things to make people feel empowered and feel good about themselves. What are one or two examples of what you did in order to find out these needs? Was it surveys? Was it questions? We... We went to a lot of tastings. Um, uh, We went to a lot of events where 
the wine was being poured and we had an audience that would come up and taste our wines. And we would ask everyone who tasted our wines, what they thought of them, what they liked about the package, where they shopped, and also what they were interested in, in their own community. So when we found out they were interested in putting in a park or a new library, we would say, well, when is your fundraiser? And we would support their fundraiser by donating wine. We would also go in and help them set up. We would talk to their audience. We would put their message on a little tag and put that tag on the bottle, on the shelf, in the marketplace that was around where their fundraiser was taking place. This way, we got their message into the marketplace, which they did not have access to. Hmm. So we supported their cause. And in return, they were able to see our product. We asked that it be put on the table or it was displayed on top of wherever they were doing their pouring, not behind or underneath the counter. And that they would thank us from the stage and a few other things that didn't cost this uh, nonprofit organization any money. So by supporting their needs, we found out through trial and error they would support our needs. So instead mm. of our gathering a following, we joined other organizations around our marketplace where the product was for sale, and we became part of their community by contributing to uh, their needs. Yeah, so in essence, you were setting community. up an advocacy uh, unit, so, so to speak. Yeah, it worked so well. I, I, I told you we started with no money. So we didn't have money for advertising. Yeah. This is what we did in lieu of advertising. It worked so well in all the communities, the first few that we tried it in, that we did it throughout the nation. So when we started growing, we had our own salespeople go into those territories and find out what the community was interested in and support that. And we were able to grow to one of the fastest growing wine brands in the nation without paid advertising but simply by supporting the communities. Isn't that a cool story, Jamie? It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And I love the fact that you made these introductions into different communities um, through a common storyline. Uh, 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 maybe, you know, we're really big on systems and processes. I think that's very important so people understand what it is they're supposed to do and how to do it. And then that way you can scale, you can grow that way because you can introduce that same process to someone else. Did you have processes or systems in place going into these new communities? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, you know, you don't just give your product away to a nonprofit you have to make sure that you have about 18 things that take place, as Bonnie said, that don't cost the nonprofit any money, but that do um, advertise, if you will, your product mm. to their members. So the goal is to give the members a social reason to buy your product, which is much stronger than a mercantile reason. So they're not only buying your product because you support their their event or their their goals but they're buying your product and they're telling their friends they're telling their family they're telling their employees they're telling their co-workers to buy it because they know that you will support their goals so so the idea is that people vote with their money 
And uh, people, you know, when they spend money, they want to know that they're buying a product that has something behind it besides goods and services. They want to know that it stands for something, some value. What is the value, right? What does it stand for? And this is the difference between a label and a brand. Mm. You see, a label is just a cute little logo, right? But a brand has a message. So what is the message? If it's just fine wine at low price, it's not good enough. There's thousands of them out there. But if it's fine wine at low price that wants to clean up your beach, clean up your ocean, reduce the use of plastics, stuff like that, all of a sudden it's your choice. That's why we call it the barefoot spirit. It's the spirit behind the brand. It's not the wine. So, yeah, this is our commercial name for the culture that we practiced. And, you know, we didn't come up with this after we sold the brand. That was brand, my question. <laughs> no, we didn't. When we sold the brand to E&J Gallo, after the deal was done, they came to us and they said, would you come to work for us as brand consultants? We want to keep the barefoot spirit alive in our company. This was very wise on their part because so many brands die right after they're acquired. Mm. And that's because they're viewed as a label by the staff in those companies. So they hired us for a year to basically educate their staff into the barefoot spirit. And it was interesting because here we are entrepreneurs and practicing this, you know, empathetic uh, business style. And now we're involved with this giant company, right? And uh, trying to imbue the uh, business style. But you know what's interesting? And to their credit, they took it. They did not wreck the brand. They followed the philosophies. Uh, they took our advice. Uh, they made it the number one wine brand in the world. That's incredible. That's, That's how powerful incredible. culture can be. And kindness. And yeah. kindness. Yes. Communication. <laughs> where, where does barefoot come from then? Ha ha. <laughs> Again, we were satisfying the needs of others. Michael went out into the marketplace in the very beginning, and he went to the wine buyer of the largest chain store here in California. And he said, I've got bulk wine and I've got bottling services. I can put it in the bottle and make it look any way you want it. What do you want? And guess what he said? What? He said, no one has ever asked me what I wanted before. He's the biggest buyer of wine in the state. He wow. said, but because you asked, this is the first big lesson that we learned. Because you asked, I'm going to tell you. So, the whole story is, is very funny, and it's in the book, there's The Barefoot Spirit. And there's a scene in the book about the buyer. There's two. One, when he first gave Michael information, and two, when Michael came back with the bottled product. Very funny stories. But he said... Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, he said, oh, and, and it's being voiced by Ed Asner, too. What? Yes, Ed Asner read the part of the buyer who was Don Brown for Lucky Stores. But Don said, this is what I need. And this is translated. The book is much funnier than how I'm going to put it. He said, I need a product that's in the big bottle because I've got more room in the shelf. 
there. I've got hundreds of the regular 750 milliliter bottles, but I need it in a big bottle. And I need two varietals, a red and a white. I need it in a label that will really stand out. And I don't want it in French. I don't want a Chateau. Uh, you know, I don't want all these things that have been done before. I want it to be something that will jump out at the shelf so she can see it when she's pushing her cart down the aisle. And the name needs to be the same as the logo. Okay, something that the buyer can relate to. So we took all of this information and then we went out and asked everybody we knew that touched wine products. We talked to the bottling line manager. We talked to the clerk the forklift driver, and we talked to consumers, and we asked them all, what is it you're looking for in a wine product? And eventually, it all kind of came together. The barefoot is how uh, grapes were originally crushed to make wine, so that relates to wine. And it's personable because everybody's got a foot, okay? And it's all-inclusive, <laughs> It's all inclusive. You see a footprint in the sand. You don't know if it's male or female, gay or straight, black or white, Muslim or Jew, right? Right. So, and it's fun. It's easy to pronounce. It's not in French, okay? <laughs> so, it, it all kind of fell together. And there's another sample from the book about how it literally all came to me, what the label would look like late one night or early one morning, actually, when I asked Michael to draw it on the board, it's called uh, Birth of the Foot, how all of these ideas that we'd been working with over a few months came together and I said, I know what the label looks like. I didn't come up with an idea I wanted to explore. I knew what the label looked like. It just clicked. I just needed him to draw it and to get it off to the artist. And... Uh, that's what we did. So the label was designed um, for the wine industry and for the consumer. It, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't haphazard. You know, it wasn't a family crest. It wasn't about us. It was about them. That's important. Two things I took away with you just said. It was about them. It wasn't about you. Right? You're bringing in, creating that advocacy, um, creating participation, um, creating emotion around the brand, uh, not just the label. Um, but the other thing that I thought was really neat was, and this is where, and, and we've struggled with this in our own company, but I know a lot of people do, is how you find out what people are thinking and feeling and whether or not a service or product that you're providing is worthwhile, worth doing, worth, worth getting into. And that is going out and talking to people, oh, yeah. talking yes. to staff, talking to potential clients, talking to vendors and getting all of that. Because one thing I've learned in business, um, nowhere near the success of Barefoot. Um, but one thing I've learned uh, since I've been on my own for the last 14 years is that I know everybody that I talk to knows a lot more about something than I do. Exactly. So why not find out about that and learn? Yeah. 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 We had a saying, make friends with people in low places. People oh. with dirt under their fingernails. The people that are out there doing the job that has to be done to get your product out there to the end user. 
And yeah. they have information that the big buyers will never have. Of course, we did talk to the big buyers, as I said, to start with. But to fill in the blanks, we had to talk to everyone that would, uh, would handle our product. Wow. Yeah, this is an amazing story. And I think it's a lot, very, very important for people to understand it. So let me fast track. So that, that's the beginning. That's how you came up with it. How did you get into this uh, business audio theater type, the, the, the barefoot spirit, the audio? This is, this is super exciting to me. And, and then I, I do want to respect your time. So we'll listen to the story and, and do some final things. But I'd really love to hear how that came to be. Well, I'll let Matt, Michael answer that, but I want to say, once again, it was satisfying the needs of the audience. We're looking out there, and we see the young people, and that's who we want to get to. Before they start their business, we want to give them the lessons that we learned the hard way so they can succeed faster. We're looking at them. They're all wearing earbuds, and we have a wonderful paperback, The Barefoot Spirit, a New York Times bestseller, but nobody was reading books when we're looking out there. They were had earbuds in. So we said, then that's how we need to communicate to them, is through an audiobook, but not just any audiobook. This is a very special, specially produced audiobook. So when we got the idea that we were going to give new life to the Barefoot Spirit, the original New York Times bestseller, and put it in an audiobook. We went and listened to several audiobooks. And what we noticed was they were all narrated. Now, we're not audio, once again, like we were not wine people. So we were outsiders. So we looked at it. We had a fresh, you know, objective look. And so we're not business audio people. So we looked at it with an objective look. And what we saw was we saw that podcasts were, you know, growing at 20% per year. I mean, it was amazing. Podcasts? Uh, yeah, podcasts. And we would ask people who had earbuds, we said, well, what are you listening to? Is it hip hop? Is it rap? You know, what are you listening to? And they said, one guy says, oh, no, I'm listening to War and Peace. <laughs> Another guy says, Oh no, I, I'm I'm listening to a podcast on how to improve my business. And that's when I realized that what's old is new again. We mm -hmm. used to have cassettes and discs that we would throw into our dashboard and we would listen to them on our way from San Francisco to LA or on a drive to Denver where you're in the car for a long time. So this was true mobility. And the problem with print and with video is that it immobilizes your mobile device. Mm -hmm. So audio allows you to jog or drive or multitask. So we got really into this idea. We thought, well, this is going to allow us to get to a, a new group of folks that are our exact target group. We want the 24 through 44-year-olds. They're the people that we think we can help the most, especially the ones starting businesses or considering or expanding their business. So we thought, you know, this, this narration gets to be droning and boring. Why don't we think of something else? So we... One day we're driving across the desert to Phoenix and, you know, it's boring and, you know, it's hot. And so we turn on the radio, we're listening to the PBS and here comes Prairie Home Companion with Guy Noir, private detective. And it's three actors on the stage in front of a mic with a sound effects guy and music. And they're acting out the Guy Noir scenes. So the movie is taking place in your brain. See, so you can still see the road and, you know, stay in control and you can still jog or whatever, do your wash and you're listening. 
And so we thought, why don't we apply that to business audio theater? Now, it's already been applied to, uh, to fiction, but not to nonfiction. And so we mm. took a look at business audio and we said, you know, business audio even business books are basically prescriptive text. You know, it goes, here's the three things you got to do, the five things to never do, and the 20 things your customer wants from you. And, you know, it's, it's just boring. And, yeah. so, <laughs> and so we said, well, how can we make this fun, like barefoot, right? So we upended the audio uh, business, audio industry, by coming out with an audio play where we have actors acting in scenes and you as the listener find yourself in the scene you're engrossed you're engaged and in the scene you see how people with various different opinions and attitudes and prejudices behave and then you see the outcomes now you don't need somebody to browbeat you and tell you that they should have thought this way or that you're going to take it away and so the idea is respect the human mind it will put it together. You don't have to browbeat them. You don't have to give them a list of do's and don'ts. You just have to tell them a story. So all of our lessons are in story form and they're very humorous. It's, it's fun. So even if you don't want to learn anything, you can just listen to this audio book and just enjoy the stories. They're so entertaining. And they're done by uh, industry professionals. Um, we, the, the rave reviews we've gotten from the people that have listened to it so far have convinced us that we've done the right thing and that this really is an out-of-the-box thinking form of getting a business message across. Love it. I love it. How, how, do, how, do, we, how do I get it? How do I get the audiobook? Well, we're going to give your audience, through your auspices, uh, a free chapter. Wow. How's that? We'll give them a whole free chapter. It's about 20 Fantastic. They, they can listen to an episode of the founding of Barefoot Wine. And, you know, the hopes are that they'll want to hear the rest of it. But they will, they, will, they will get the idea that, wow, this is not another boring business book. It's fun, you know, and uh, it's engaging. And it's kind of a cliffhanger, just like life. You know, you get to a point and you go, okay, is this the end of Bonnie and Michael? You know, do they go to jail? Do they run out of money? Does Barefoot end? And here it is sitting in your fridge. You know they made it, but you don't know how. But in the process, you learn that it was a lot more humble than it, it looks. And, uh, you know, it required a team and it required a culture. And the Barefoot audiobook is available wherever audiobooks are sold. It's called The Barefoot Spirit Audiobook. Barefoot Spirit Audiobook. I absolutely love it. So you can go anywhere. Well, you can go and if you're if you're driving along, you're listening to this right now, don't fret. When you get to your destination or when you're done mowing the lawn, <laughs> hop on your computer or your mobile device and it'll be right there in the show notes. So we'll put a link directly to it for you so that you can easily get it. And then the next time you go mow your lawn or the next time you go for a run or drive your car, you can listen to the Barefoot Spirit audiobook. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, consistent with our, our culture of inclusion, we're very interested in what your listeners think about this new form of edutainment. Edutainment. I love it. I absolutely love it. So the theatrical kind of artistic way that you're putting this audiobook together, 
you've, you actually have taken that to another level, I guess. Absolutely. So we are now in it because we've done it. Uh, we are now in a position to help other founders and CEOs keep their culture and their founding spirit alive in their company by creating an onboarding tool. So when you hire somebody, you know, the first couple of days, they've got to know everything about your company. It's called orientation. So instead of just telling them, you know, where the bathroom is and where the forms are and their go-to guy, you give them an MP3. And it is the history of the company and it is in a play acted form so that it's entertaining and the employees can listen to it as they commute to work or as they jog. And so the idea is it's a way to communicate company culture and values that last forever. And it's a tool that we found that companies really need. It's you onboard somebody, just another job for them. But wait, listen to this. And then you understand why this company is really special and what they stand for. So you're going to be less likely to leave. You're going to be more engaged. You're going to be more creative because you're throwing in with them because you buy into their culture. So you can find out more, you know, CEOs and founders can find out more about that at our company called Biz for Buds. And it's B-I-Z, Arabic numeral four, and then Buds, B-U-D-Z. So bizforbuds.com. Bizforbuds.com. I love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. And you know, it's not about being better, right? It's about being different. And for those CEOs and founders that want to be different, what an incredible way to showcase the differences, your unique selling proposition, the reason you and that company is what it is today and why we're so different. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, super excited. So we'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. Two, two things, and, and then we'll go ahead and wrap up out of respect for your time. Where can people go to learn more about both of you, Michael and Bonnie? You can go to the, you can go to www.thebarefootspirit, just like the book, thebarefootspirit.com. And if they go to that site, they'll see all of our social, they'll see everything. Our phone number is on there. So we're very <laughs> accessible. Fantastic. Fantastic. And the last thing is, what's next? <laughs> well, we've been doing advising to companies of, you know, small or medium sized. And that's been really exciting for us because we can make a difference. We can look at what they're their real skills are and what it is that they have to offer and help them direct that in the right way so it benefits the greatest number of people, them included. So, um, and also we are opening up our lovely estate here in Sonoma County to bring in uh, groups of executives or students studying entrepreneurship. And we're really happy to talk on a one-to-one -one basis or with a group about how you can succeed, how soft skills earn hard cash. I love it. I absolutely <clears throat> love it. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Well, I'd just like to add that uh, I, I'm most appreciative of your time, uh, Jamie, and what you uh, have decided to focus on, culture eats strategy. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and uh, we're just so happy that there's a podcast out there that focuses on the real deal. You know, uh, it doesn't matter how good your product or service is if your people leave you. 
It doesn't matter, you know, how inexpensive your product is if your customer doesn't trust you. So, I mean, when you get down to it, these are all uh, human soft skills, and we're so glad you celebrate them and bring people onto your show who can, who can really exemplify them. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. I, uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for sharing your story uh, with us. It was uh, a lot of fun to hear and, and just hats off to you for just doing business right, in my opinion, and, and for what, all that you've accomplished and all that you've overcome. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So we'll go ahead and wrap up. Hold on one quick second. Uh, again, thank you to Michael and Bonnie for joining us uh, with the Barefoot Spirit. Again, go to thebarefootspirit.com to learn more about them. You can also, uh, anywhere that at audiobooks are, are being sold, the Barefoot Spirit, Spirit audiobook, I'm getting it today. You can also come and get the first chapter for free. I'm going to go get the dang thing today because I'm so intrigued. I cannot wait to listen to this edutainment uh, and and very theatric and, and artistic way of presenting a business through storytelling. I'm really, really excited about that. So have a fantastic day. Thank you so much again for tuning into Culture Eat Strategy. By the way, you, everything that we talked about today will be written in the show notes. We can share the links with you. You can find everything out there. So go. Uh, you can go to bottleneck.online and click on the podcast. It'll put you right there. Thanks again so much for tuning in. I am Jamie J, your host with Culture Eat Strategy, and a special, special Mighty big thank you to Bonnie Harvey and Michael Houlihan for joining us today with the Barefoot Spirit. Have a great one. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. By the way, be kind. You'll be amazed at what happens when you are. We'll talk to you soon. 